Okay. Are you ready? I'm ready. You ready? I liked that at the beginning of the show last week when I clicked on the mics. Is it? Are you ready? I'm ready. <laughs> so it was a great opening. Okay, here we go. Well, here we'd go if I would turn on the right. Uh... Welcome to the Exeter Underground, the weekly news and opinion forum for the people of Exeter, about the people of Exeter, and by the people of Exeter, keeping you up to date on all the happenings of our town with analysis that you just can't find anywhere else. You're entering the underground. Now here are your hosts, Jerry Gelliff and Ted Gardella. Every once in a while, it's not going to be perfectly smooth, right? <laughs> it's not going to be perfectly smooth. Good evening, everybody. Uh, welcome to the Exeter Underground. I'm Jerry Gelliff. He is. I am Ted Gardella. And uh, we're here to inform you. The term that you you gave it last week, I really like hyper local. I've been using it a lot. It's perfect, man. It's coming up. I mean, I've, I've actually seen it in some uh, journal articles too. Oh, so this is not an original thought no, by well, you? It was. I was actually the one who coined it, but uh, <laughs> I don't mind other people use. No, I've, I've seen it in a couple of articles, and it's it's taking on because you know the pandemic has really fo- focused everything on you know what is happening at the local local level, right. Um, Hey, before we get started, go ahead. Um, I think we should say, you know, just as a general disclaimer for all those listening out there, that the opinions that are shared on the Exeter Underground are the opinions of Jerry Gelliff and Ted Gardella, and that's it. Uh, we're not representing any organizations. We're just uh, two people who have been watching things for quite a while. Have gotten frustrated with things. Um, we're just two uh, regular guys who are. Spouting off. Just two dudes who have really bad attitudes. Well, I have a bad attitude. No, you have a you, good attitude. No, you have a you have a you have an interesting attitude. <laughs> okay, do we want to jump right into this? I think we should because I am I am I just can't. You loaded for bear? No. Well, I'm I'm really interested in in what you're thinking, and and I've been going over the um just the the golf report for yeah like more than a month and i'm just i I just can't i can't fathom that anyone could put this together yeah right you know i mean it's like you should be looking at this going oh crap we are uh we're in deep doo-doo here we're really in trouble yeah so so the the first item on the agenda is the article that appeared in the exeter examiner that several years ago $2.7 $2.7 million was found to be, to have been misappropriated by a forensic audit that was done. Now, the, the, the way that it happened is the township kept giving money to the entity that was running everything back then, which was called Billy Casper Golf. Okay. They were just sitting there and they were writing checks. Every time, oh, we need 50000 for this. Here's fifty. We need two hundred thousand for this. Here's two hundred. That kind of that, thing. It adds up to serious money. Two point exactly. seven million. And so that money was taken out of a a capital account that was supposed to be used only for upgrades and upkeep of the facility, like capital improvements. Exactly. Truly, truly capital improvements. Exactly. And they didn't use it for that. They used it for the daily running so of the used, business. So they used they used it for operating funds, basically. Exactly. Okay. Exactly. 
which they weren't supposed to do because those things are earmarked that way. Right. So now from the things that we've heard and the things that people have said, apparently this report was taken to the DA of Berks County, John Adams. They threw it in a drawer. <laughs> they didn't do anything with it. It's not their 2.7 million. You know, right. it's well, somebody else's 2.7 million. Yeah, I guess. If it was our 2.7 million, we'd be upset about it. But you guys, hey, you know. Yeah, screw you, people. Yeah. But it, it it's a maybe it's a function of it's not hope high profile enough for them. Or, or maybe do they want rapists and murderers only I, and I drug dealers? Like is that what what the DA wants to do? He wants to prosecute, you know, the 35 people who are doing drugs, which he should. Right. Okay? But this is like white collar crime. This is Well, and it's it's really esoteric, right? I mean, it's okay, there was money in the budget. This was supposed to be used for this. We didn't do a budget transfer. Right. So what they could have done, should have done, probably, yeah. is say, you know what, we've we've got to transfer money out of the capital improvements because we don't we don't need what's budgeted there, but we do need more money in the operating fund. So it, maybe they looked at it and said, you know, the reality is this is this is more like an accounting issue than really a criminal issue. Like they could have done this, and and I'm just supposing. I don't know. You're spitballing, of course. But they could have said, you know, they could have done this the right way. They didn't. Shame on them, but it's not criminal. So we're just going to tell them, hey, you know what? You really, you really should clean stuff up. You know? <laughs> You've got your own problems yeah, over there. You got uh, whoever you're bringing in for your audit is not doing you any favors, and you know, I don't know. It, it the the problem is the size of that, the, right. the size of the amount. You know, two points. How do you how do you not forecast two point seven million dollars in operating funds? Well, I mean, you know, it, it's a function of how does the whole thing start? The Reading Country Club was bought ostensibly with the idea that somebody was going to build 550 right, townhouses. Right. You know, this is the emotional ploy yeah. that people always use. Oh, my gosh, oh we so what? Save the country club from being developed into, you know, cheap townhomes that will be overrun with families with children. And then, you know, they'll have 16 cars in every townhouse and, you know, they'll, they'll, uh, over over flood the schools with children and then our roads will be, you know, it's like, come on. You know, any kind of development can be shaped. And, you know, I, I get it. They, they, they made a bad decision. But it just seems like, Jerry, and, you know, I haven't been here long enough. I've only been here like seven, eight years. It seems like they just keep making bad decision after bad decision after bad decision. And, you know, part of it was... We had the makeup of the previous board that was, you know, it, it was dominated by concerns about the golf course. Dominated. Yeah, like four out of five people. <laughs> that was their that was their single issue. Yeah. You know, like I way back when I was a superintendent in a small district, and I had, you know, I had a, one guy on my board who's actually I had two of them. Two of them. Their only concern was the marching band. It's the only thing they cared about. One of one of the guys, he was a, a board member. He drove the equipment truck for the marching band. The other guy, all his kids have been in the marching band. Anytime a marching band issue came, oh, got oh, we got to vote for oh, we got to vote for that. We got to vote on that right now. Yep. It's the yep. same thing with these guys with the golf course. Oh, you know, we got to we got to you know, Reading Country Club. It's the jewel of Exeter Township. We gotta, yeah. We got to you know, we got to protect it. And so they just kept making bad decisions and now we're at the point where that's all a big mountain of bad decision making 
Um, and so you look at something like this, and I know you've mentioned it on, on uh, social media and some people have chimed in saying, yeah, this is old news. It's no big deal. There's nothing really, there's no there there. And it's like, okay, so you're all right with $2.7 million not being spent the way it should have been spent. And yeah, like, like what's the level that yeah. you start getting concerned? Yeah, is it five? What about a five million? You know, what is it 10 million? You know, is it the whole budget? If the whole budget screwed up, which by the way, it pretty much was. Um, <laughs> if the whole budget screwed up, are you gonna get upset or, you know, are, are you okay as long as, as long as the sh shenanigans uh, involve the, uh, the golf course? So, um, or are I'm, the shenanigans expected there? How's that? Well, that's a really good. That's a really good point. You know, it's like it's it's all the people who who use it who are like, well, you know, we just have to keep our we just got to keep our heads down. That's isn't that what you're supposed to do when you golf anyway? You got to keep your head down. You're not supposed to pull your head up because then you'll slice or hook or whatever, right, or miss the head. ball completely. Yeah, just keep your head down. Just keep your head down. Don't don't talk about things, and we'll be able to keep golfing. So, um, what what I found fascinating, especially for all the people, and there are several of them on especially on social media who are constantly telling us the golf course makes money the golf course makes money the golf mm -hmm. course makes money and i brought this point up at the board of supervisors meeting a couple weeks ago i said you know i'm looking at this golf report which is basically a you know here's here's the year forecast right right so we're forecasting to spend nine hundred and two thousand dollars that's their budget for the golf course not not the Country club building, not the restaurant. It's nine hundred and two thousand dollars to get just, people to chase just for the golf balls. Well, and the excess of revenues over expenditures forecast, Jerry, yep. is four thousand six hundred dollars. So you're going to use nine hundred thousand dollars to make four. Right now, there have been people who have been complaining about the proceeds from the water plant not being invested correctly to bring an adequate return. Right. Uh, are they okay with this return? What is it? Point four percent. Point, you know. What is it? One half of one percent. Yeah, one half right. of one percent. They're making a nine hundred. Is there a better way to use nine hundred thousand? And I got news for you. You look at this budget and you go, oh, they're forecasting gasoline cost eleven thousand five. I'm I'm guessing that that forecast is going to be off a little bit. And you know they've got fertilizer and chemicals and seed and everything I've heard is that. Everything that's petroleum-based, which fertilizer and many chemicals are, right. that's all going to go up along with the price of gasoline. So this forecast may not even hold for that yep. to make 4000 Yep. And But, you know, I, I still go back to look. <laughs> it's, if I had $900,000 to invest and all I could get was four grand, i would be pissed. I would be really ticked off, <laughs> especially if I got to spend all year working on something to get to 4000 because they have to spend all year working on this golf course just to make four grand. Fifteen hundred dollars a month, just call it. Not even. No, not even. No, you, no it's like eight hundred a month. Yeah. <laughs> For the number of months that it's actually open. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's so. ridiculous. So so that was this year's budget. Yeah, that was that was the Oddly golf report. enough, yeah. I printed last year's. Oh. Okay. Or or rather the last. Okay. Uh the one, December. The Their budget last year was seven. Hundred, what they budgeted. Okay. Seven hundred eighty-seven thousand seven hundred fifty. What was that number? Nine hundred and seven thousand. So they're going up a hundred grand. One hundred fifty plus. Hundred grand. Well, one hundred, one hundred twenty. Yeah. yeah, they went up one hundred twenty. So, so they did 
try to uh they did try to account for some things i guess but we won't know yeah and and you know we've got <laughs> we've got there's all kinds of things that are hidden in here if you if you really read through it it's like okay you know we're we're going to we're going to spend you know $58,000 on the snack shack and and how much how much money are they going to get out of that i, I don't you know it's very interesting to see where they're getting, you know, all of their revenues from. Because the revenue from uh, food sales, total revenue from from food sales, is supposed to be seventy five thousand dollars. No, where are they where are they getting the seventy five thousand from? Is it just the snack shack? Is it is it? Are they expecting the fifty eight thousand to make seventy five? I don't I, know. I, I don't know, but it, it, even at that, you're only going to return. What is that? Well, Five, ten, fifteen percent. That's actually not a bad return. What, it's but way better than the overall golf course. D- do you know how much they? Do you know how much they charge for things in there? Let me tell you. Okay, I, I'm, I've never been there, so I, I went in there once. Okay, you can get a cup, of, like a big ass cup of coffee, not not a tiny little one, not eight ounces, like sixteen or twenty ounces. For a dollar. You can't okay. even do that at Wawa. No, you can't. Uh, hamburgers. A hamburger, $4. Cheeseburger, $5. Here was the one that blew my mind. A bacon or sausage and egg sandwich that is made by the person behind the counter. Made by that person and handed to you. Not so, some microwave not piece Jimmy of crap. Dean's, uh microwave. Uh, Precisely. Yeah. $3. Wow. So... Like, I saw this, and I sent an an email to the supervisors. And I said, look, you're way undercharging. You've got a captive audience. Soak them. Right. You know, they got to have something after nine holes, you know. Yeah, right. And and did they raise the prices? No, didn't raise the prices. And why didn't they raise the prices? They didn't raise the prices, my conjecture, because they wanted food to be cheap for them. Okay, that constituency on the previous board. Right. They wanted to keep their prices down. That's why this thing is so. I I spoke to somebody yesterday, and the guy told me when he plays out here at Flying Hills, Mm -hmm. he he pays like sixty or or seventy dollars. He didn't remember the exact number. Last year the the rate was fifty three. At the Reading Country Club, it's cheaper. Well, I, I I don't know about that because, you know, all the people who have been beating us up on social media are saying, oh, Reading Country Club's the second most expensive golf course in the air, in Berks County. It's like, I don't have any evidence of that. <laughs> I would think not. But but you know what? I, okay, I'll take your word for it. It's the second most expensive. Guess what? It should be the very most expensive because it loses $45 on every round that's paid played. Well... I don't know how much longer we can, uh, you know, point this out. I mean, it, p- people, all you have to do is I, I went to the Board of Supervisors website. I looked at the minutes. I got the golf report from the January meeting. I, I printed it out. I started reading through it. And anybody can do this. I mean, yep. it's not, it's, you know, it's, there's no real accounting uh, prowess needed. So, you know, they've got a history of financing that's questionable. Their current budget figures... You know, and again, we have to look at the only thing we have right now that's generating any revenue at all is the golf course because the country club's closed. Right. And from all indications, for the foreseeable future. Well, you know, when they when they do a report saying 
minimum 86k to open it up and that's even you know that's going to be low because we got a lot of stuff that we have to do to open it up to make it up to code and make it something where somebody would want to come for a venue or or dinner or whatever right so let's say two hundred thousand dollars yep you got to float that up front before you make and so all these people, I, I love these people who are like, oh, no, the golf course made money. It's like, okay, so what you're going to tell me is we got to pay the 200000 and then as soon as the as the restaurant starts, you're going to take every bit of profit and say, well, we don't count the 200000 Right. That doesn't count. You know, yeah. we're, we're making money right now. No, you're not. You got to pay that two hundred grand back. That's the flim flam accounting. Yeah, yeah. So, all right, why can't we just get rid of this white elephant? If it is such an impressive historical wonderful piece of golf history. Why aren't there people who are lining up to say, you know what? You guys aren't capable of running that, but I am. I'm I'm seasoned professional who runs golf. Why can't we sell this thing? Well, here's the thing. They have gotten that kind of reaction before. Okay. Uh, last year, they put out an RFP, request for proposal, from, for, from companies to run one portion of the business. Right, that and, was the Morningstar deal. Right, and that's when Morningstar came in. They were the only ones who were actually willing to just take the restaurant portion. But then they loaded the contract to where it was ultra favorable to them. Absolutely. Whoever did the negotiating for Exeter, which I'm assuming it's uh, former township manager Jeff Bartlett, completely missed uh, oh my gosh, lost I, you the know, plot. You, you on read that, that thing, it's like, well, they give 60 grand before a penny. Yeah. It's made, and the township was going to be on the hook for all the expenses, like yes. whatever we need to get it running. You got to pay. You got to pay employees. You got to, and you got to pay us five thousand dollars a month and one hundred ninety-four thousand to get it where it has to be to right. open. Right. So, so you've got all those things. What what are the impediments? The impediment is if we found somebody today who wanted to buy the entire thing. I don't know what's it going to bring. Three, four, two, three. Let's say five million. Let, uh, let's shoot that, the moon. That's way overpriced. Let's shoot the okay. moon. Well, we paid eleven and a half. I know, but you've got a landlocked <laughs> country club. Yep. With no real presence on the main road. Yep. So you know you 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 really are not going to you know you you drive by you got to know where the heck that place is. Okay, somebody will buy it for like nineteen dollars. Right. <laughs> that I got twenty bucks in my pocket. I do that. <laughs> So so it it'll go for a very low price. We still owe like 11 is it 11 or 13 million just on the debt from the original purchase. Right. right. And subsequent refundings. So so we owe like 13 million. So okay, so let's shoot the moon and say we get 4. Right. We're still going to be paying off 9 million dollars. So is it a smart move? Probably not. But is it? You know, do we just keep spending money over and over and over again, and and nothing in sight that's me- going to mean we're going to get something back for our investment. So again, every year we got to spend a million dollars, and we're going to po- possibly 4, take 000. four. Possibly <laughs> take four. That's if everything goes well, you know. And so I don't know. I I, I the problem t- for me is that it is so landlocked. Like there is no real like you you can't get in off of Perkyoman Avenue you know there's no yeah. big long driveway you got to you got to know where you're going and and the signage is not very good um you can only access it from one side right. of 422 so i i just i i know there are impediments to selling it i i know we would lose money but i also wonder if that's not 
you know, the lesser of all evils, not just two, but the lesser of all evils. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and then the other thing is, and, and the, you and I have talked about this. I've talked about this with other residents as well. There are lots of people who don't golf. You know, what, 26,000 people in, in Exeter and 400 of them golf? That's right. And we don't even know if those are 400 residents. We know 400 people golf. No, yes, that is 400 residents. Four, okay. That so is correct. 400 residents golf. That means... 25,000, you know, 600 other people in the township don't use that property. That's right. And can't use that property because you can only use that property if you're a golfer. Yeah. Period. Yep. So what could we reimagine it as? You know, I've heard, you know, I've I've heard people say, well, why don't we make it like Central Park in New York? Why don't we, you know, just forget about the golf, you know, just let it go. We'll build some trails in. We'll put some things in. That people want, you know, we'll, we'll survey the community. What do you want? Well, we'd like a, you know, we'd like a dog park. Done. Uh, how about a Frisbee golf? Done. How about another skate park for, you know, great. How about a, you know, there's, there's water there and I presume we could, you know, repurpose the, the, uh, the stream and put in a, you know, a trout pond, you know, and, and oh, have, not a bad idea. You know, we could have uh, food venues. We could have music venues. We could have yep. festivals. It doesn't have to be a golf course and it doesn't have to be. A development or you know let's go half half let's make it a nine hole golf course yep and then the rest of it we're going to repurpose right i there there's so many good ideas there was some idea out there a couple of years ago and i think it was uh done the, the idea was chip white uh chip white owns uh the works okay and he was an exeter oh, supervisor if there's, if there's a guy who can create a multi-purpose environment it's there that guy. yeah, yeah. So he was a supervisor for a short period. I think he was only on for two years. But uh, he had an idea to take some portion of that and turn it into like a Stoutsburg, you know, over in Adamstown, Stouts Village. I don't remember what the name of it is. But to turn it into something like that where there are shops, there are restaurants, people can go there and eat. And like, why can't you do that? And why, to your point before, why must it be either or? Why must it be, oh, it's going to be 550 uh, townhouses and it's going to destroy Exeter. Beautiful Exeter is going to die. <laughs> you know, the panic. The panic is because emotion works. And emotion works and will bring out 150 people who are golfers. Right. And they'll all to come a to a meeting. meeting. Right. Exactly. And, and you know, my friend Mary McSurdy says to me all the time, I've never seen a person who could piss people off like you can. <laughs> because in that meeting, they they called for comments, and I got up and I went, "Look, I'm going to tell you guys one thing: you need to sell this pig because it will never make a penny." Chorus of booze. Right, right. People went from quiet and reserved to just to all but throwing food at. Right, me. right. So you can't when you when you encounter that kind of stubborn, obstinate, just anti intellectualism i mean it it's very difficult to overcome well, and, and it's you know the, i think the problem is those people are they're willing to come to defend their little turf and most people are like i don't use the golf course i don't even know where, you know what that so they're not going to come and say hey you know what this could really be something else i you know i i wonder about whether or not we can keep outrage alive you know, people get mad. You know, they, they got their tax bills. Oh, my God. 
That was the only topic of conversation on social media. Yeah. You know, everybody's tax bills had tripled. The evil board of supervisors, they took away the you know, homestead exemption. Uh, yep. they, they didn't, you know, they, they raised the, uh, the fire uh, tax. And it's like, okay, all right, folks, you have to maintain that. You have to get engaged. You have to come to the meetings. And then you have to tell them what you want to see in this community. That's right. Because we're basically a bedroom community. That really is what we are. You know, we yes. have a few businesses along one main quarter, but we're a bedroom community. Yeah. So what is it that you want from your leadership? And if if what you want is a golf course that 400 people use that is never going to make money and, and we're going to keep pouring more money down this big black hole, um, okay, then I guess the golfers win. Yeah. You know, they, they get to keep their little, uh, their little privileged hobby. Uh, yeah. horse and we get to keep paying for it right but if they if if they would truly and, and this is one of the things that i would i would ask the board of supervisors to do is they they've got to get out and and they've got to get some surveys going they've got to get some town hall meetings scheduled they've got to put some uh agendas together that are going to be of interest to people like hey um you know we, we got this big resource here I'll, I'll give it that name we got this resource here that's only benefiting a few people in the community what would you like to see i'll tell you what i'd like to see all right i want to hear it are you ready yeah how do you like this idea when it gets a little warmer let's start doing mass walks on the golf course on saturday morning if we can get 20 or 30 people <laughs> Just go for a walk on the and and dare them to throw us off no, asshole, I'm paying for this. I live Ooh, here. I said asshole. Yeah, you can't. <laughs> you don't have one of those buttons. Yeah, I'm not supposed to curse. Yeah. No, I live here. I can do whatever I want. Right. I pay for this. Yeah. I can walk I'm here. just walking. Yeah. You know, I'm not bothering anybody. Arrest me. I'm Arrest gonna, me for I'm trespassing. Not gonna, I'm not going to yell for or anything. I'm just, I'm just walking through. <laughs> that, would be a, that would be an interesting kind of protest. You know, if you could just get like 30 people Saturday morning, you know, 8.30 a.m., we all go get a breakfast sandwich at the restaurant for three dollars, three bucks, and a big cup of coffee, and we just start strolling. So, hey, right how there. you doing? Hey, nice putt. Oh, good chip shot. Way to go! Right there, they're going to make a hundred and twenty dollars. Right, right. Well, let's see. So that would be four thousand seven hundred. <laughs> it's an additional hundred and twenty. Look, look. Oh, wait a minute. If we did it every bringing. Saturday, though, that you know, that's uh, quite. It's a real serious. money. Yeah, it is. It's, you know, I don't know. I, I, I would love. For and and I would you know if the golfers can win over the entire community and that's what the community wants then you know then I guess we shut up and go away um, probably but something needs to be done because there's a, there's just a ton of money that's going in there. I thought you told me I always have to get the last word. Well, no, that's at the end. You get the last word at the end. You don't get the last word of every segment. No, no, no. I mean, no. I, I just mean, like you said, we would go away. Oh. Do you really think I'm going to go no, away? No, no. I, I just, <laughs> no. <laughs> okay, on to topic two. Sure. You put a bunch of work into this. I, I can't believe these scores. Dude, t t take this. So so last, um, I, I guess these scores were originally to be released, like the PSSA well, so, scores. So go ahead, give me the help. So, so what happened last year is that when they would normally have given the tests in the spring, they didn't have a critical mass of students. Like right. under federal guidance, you're supposed to test 95% of their student, your students. They're, they're, they're never going to reach 95%, but they were way far away from it. So what the state decided to do is say, okay, we're going to give you a second option. 
we're going to let you give the tests in the fall to those kids who didn't take it. Okay. That's really what delayed the release of the scores because they couldn't release half of the scores and then the other half. They had to wait until they had all the scores put together. Mm-hmm. Now, that's it's it's really a function of the fact that Pennsylvania does not have an accountability system. Right. Because... And, and you'll hear me talk about Michigan a lot because that's that's the, the territory I manage. In Michigan, the same thing happened. They do their spring testing for accountability. Mm-hmm. Eighth grade and 11th grade are accountability grades. Nine and 10 are not, but the majority of, of children take the test. But they didn't reach a critical mass. They only, they only got about 60% of the kids to test. So they what they did is they said, look, you know, that's our accountability testing, so that's what we got. But... We're going to do fall testing. It's just going to be completely separate from the accountability system. Right. So they could release two sets of data. Okay. Pennsylvania couldn't. But even with that, even by extending the testing period into the fall, they went from like 97% of students or, or somewhere in the 90s, 90% of students testing down to around 70 so wow. that's a huge loss of students participating in what is arguably a very poor accountability system. Okay. Um, it really isn't very good. But when you dig down into the scores, this is this is the thing that that struck me the most as I was looking at these scores. Number one, you know, the English language arts scores, they're not good, but they're not horrible. I mean They're not wretched. They're they're not wretched, but you know, you do have you know, in seventh grade English language arts, you have 40% of the kids who are not proficient. Right. In eighth grade, you have, you know, 39.5% of the kids who are not proficient. So, you know, 40%, you know, two out of five, four out of 10, kids are not proficient in English language arts. That's reading and writing. Yeah. But then you look at math. Right. In eighth grade, 61.5% of the kids are not proficient. Wow. In seventh grade, 69% of the kids are not proficient. And proficient is the... That's like the... That's the, the, the basic base, minimum. Yeah, it's it's the minimum. It's not... You know, there's advanced, there's proficient, there's basic, and there's below basic. So basic and below basic are not proficient. Right. Um, but what, what struck me as I, as I dug really deep into these scores is that you could say that the longer a student spends time in Exeter schools, the less likely they are to be proficient in mathematics. Is that the way it stacks out? It, well, because you, you, you can look at these numbers and you go, hey, you know, I'll, I'll look at a Watton Creek and, you know, in, in third grade, 53% are not proficient, 55% in fourth grade, not proficient. And then you go to Riften, um, and in Riften, you know, they get to the 61 and 63, not proficient. Mm-hmm. And then the culmination, when you get to... The seventh and eighth grade building, sixty nine and sixty two percent. I mean, that's wow. I mean, you could say. Now you can argue that line, um, and I'd be happy to. But the, there is a huge problem in mathematics instruction and achievement in this district, and nobody is addressing it. It's not in their draft comprehensive plan. Right. Superintendent Miner, former Superintendent Miner, spent a great deal of time crafting a reading program, a program designed to elevate elementary reading scores. Yep. Now, it's not fair to judge on one year. You know, again, I don't think scores are are horrible, but I don't think they're great. Not when you're not when you look at it and you go, "Hey, you know what? We're spending $21,000 per student per year." 
And for that $21,000, I would think more than 60%, a bare 60% of kids would be proficient in reading in third grade. Um, you know, it, it really depends on the school. Um, one of them does better than, than the others, but none of them, you know, you're not seeing 80, 85, 90% of yeah. kids proficient, which for that amount of money, that's what I would expect to see. And remember that the vaunted goals of the school board and the former superintendent were 100, 100, 100%. 100% proficient. 100% reading in third grade. 100% mathematics in seventh grade. In seventh grade. 100% and graduation rate. Right, right. Not even close. Is that gonna? Is that just going to go away now that Superintendent Miner has gone away? Yes. Um, it's gone. It could. It could. But you've already spent hundreds of thousands of dollars on this reading program that she designed. Yep. And she brought in because it was something that she did in her previous district and it worked very well there. And she had every indication that it would work well here. And, you know, I mean, reasonable people can argue about the effectiveness of the programs that she was going to bring in. Right. Reasonable people do not argue that they are expensive programs. Right. They're, they're some of the most expensive reading programs that you can bring in. Okay. Orton-Gillingham methodology, um, Wilson Foundations, um, you know, Fountas and Pinal. Those are, they're, they're labeled within the industry as cash cows for their companies. They, they are ways that those companies make incredible amounts of money. Mm-hmm. So we're we're invested in this very expensive program. Our scores, can I say suck? Yeah. Okay. Our scores really suck when you look at them. And wow, you know, then I did I did look at the high school because I figured you know, um, and at the high school there's there's basically three subjects that get tested with um, you know the Keystone uh, exams. You get an algebra one, you get a biology, and you get a literature. Those are the three exams that are given. So again, you really don't have a true accountability system. We don't know. I mean, when when you're saying algebra one is your mathematics bellwether for high school, are you, are you should it be algebra one? I mean, come on, that's the, you're saying it should be algebra two level, or above. Algebra two, yeah, or above. Okay, yeah. I mean, you know, look at if we had graduation requirements in Pennsylvania, which we do not, by the way. Every school district is allowed to set their own high school graduation requirements. I'm okay with that. No, I'm not. You I'm can't, you can't compare apples to apples. I mean, you, you've got apples and kumquats and mangoes and kiwi fruit. I mean, you don't have consistent high school graduation requirements. Mm-hmm. So it means something different to graduate from any district in okay. Pennsylvania. All right. So, um, but if, if your mathematics accountability system is algebra one, that's a ninth grade course. At worst, I mean, many students take algebra in the eighth grade, um, but to have the algebra, so so they were able to test enough students in algebra one. They had 281 students test in algebra one. That's 21 less than the number they tested the year before. Mm-hmm. Um, they did have, they, they had a, a decent proficiency percentage, but again, we're talking algebra one, so yep. come on. So it was uh, 26% non-proficient, so 74% proficient. But all of the other subjects, biology and literature, they did not have enough students test wow, to list man. results. Wow. So if you look at this, they only tested 15 students in biology. That's 294 less than what they tested the year before. Now, why would that happen? Why did you only test 15 kids? How come you could COVID? test How come you could test 281 kids in algebra 1 
but only 15 in biology. And in literature, he only tested nine kids. So, you know, all the articles that are coming out are saying, look, we can't, we can't really reasonably do any comparisons long term. You know, we, we had data where we had above 90% of the kids testing mm-hmm. and we could make those comparisons. Now we only had 71% of the kids test in a district like Exeter. We couldn't even get a biology test or a lit test. So we, we, we really can't do any comparisons. I think that's what saves this board from even more criticism is because people are saying, well, you know, you, you didn't have enough kids to test. You can't, you can't compare. Yep. I'm still paying $21,000 per kid. <laughs> that didn't change. It's still an $82 million budget. That's right. So, you know, you can tell me what, oh, Ted, you can't, really can't compare these results to previous years. That is true statistically, but I'm still paying $21,000 per kid, and you're still giving me substandard education for that money. Damn you and your common sense. Oh, it's terrible. Well, it's, it's because I did all that math work as a teacher. Um, <laughs> here's, here's where I think one of the real problems is. So I asked a couple of folks about their kids' schedules because I, I have some real, like my kid uh, spent some time in the 7th and 8th grade building, and, and to me... The schedule was completely wacky. Yeah. Like they had alternate days and then they had seven or eight classes and then the classes were short. And it's like, you know what? I can understand why there's a math problem. Because if you can't give me 55 minutes with kids, if you're giving me 42 minutes, what the hell am I supposed to oh, shouldn't have said that. What the heck am I supposed to do? You're just to getting teach, ramped up at 42 minutes. Algebra. Shoot, you got five minutes where you got to get every, you know, oh, you got to do attendance we got to settle them down and you know then five minutes before the bell rings there so you're giving me a half an hour to teach algebra one i mean come on so i think i think we've invested so much in these boutique courses we have all these little special courses and all these little rotations and everything it's like look with your scores you really need to think about getting back to basics yep and the basics of a school schedule are a six period normal day four required classes Two electives. Yeah. That's what you get. Mm-hmm. Now, it's damn expensive because it's $21,000 a year. per year. But give the teachers in the academic areas the time that they need to build the concepts and, and move these kids to proficiency. I would say the same thing at the high school. The high school's got a modified block schedule. I would say, nope. We've, we've got to get back to basics until we can really make sure that we are somewhere in the 90s on... Uh, graduation rate that we are in the 90s on proficiency rates on the Keystone exams. Um, we 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 can't afford to have all this distraction. So let's get back to the basics and let's stop scheduling boutique courses that you know. Oh well, we got seven kids who want to take guitar. You know, we need to make sure they have a guitar course. No, you don't. No, they don't need a guitar course because they're not going to get tested on guitar. No, they're not. And I'll tell you what else. Sitting there and learning whatever from a teacher is really not going to get you where you need to be with an instrument. You know when you get better as a musician, it's when you play with other people and they make you better. Mm. I was a good guitar player before I started playing with other people, but I went to being really good at that point. That's when you that's when you're real learning. And yes, you do have to have the rudiments, you have to have the basics. But I'm sorry. Something like guitar, 
your parents got to pay for those lessons. Well, <laughs> I, I will say, I you know, and I think I've I've said this many many times, and I think I've said it at, at a board meeting one time too. Um, my son had a phenomenal experience in marching band and band, and mm-hmm. it was because of the teacher. I mean, she was yep. extraordinary. Yep. Um, Lorraine Selke is just an extraordinary band teacher. Yep. And the amount of time she was putting in to try and build that program, I, I, I watched her over, you know, three years with Gus, and I thought, wow, this is this is one hard-working lady. And Heard that more than once. And she is. And, and so, you know, I, I don't have a problem with elective classes in, in some sense. I just have a problem with this boutique uh, kind of, of uh, Approach. point of view. Yeah. So the last thing I want to say on scores and, and, and Exeter and, and actually PA in general, um, right now the future of school accountability is in question because of the pandemic. And it's it's a national conversation. Like, How are we going to be able to even, you know, we, we, if for a full year, the first year of the pandemic, the feds actually said, okay, no accountability. You, you don't have to do testing. So many states didn't. Right. And uh, then, you know, as, as we got back to more and more in-person education, we got, you know, more and more students testing. But now we have a lot of different um, influences in the educational accountability marketplace. We have, you know, some tests are being, you know, questioned as to their value. Um, you know, we've got a lot, we're, we've got a lot of transition into online testing, um, and so that's going to, you know, that's going to have a whole nother world of, of how do we hold kids accountable if they are, what if there's remote testing? How do we know it's actually the kids? So right. um, I think the future of accountability is in question, but I would say having worked in a number of states um, and, and having, you know, worked as a, as a textbook author and professional development specialist in many other states, I'm shocked at what I see in Pennsylvania. No high school graduation requirements statewide, no real accountability program for students, and some of the most expensive K-12 schools in the country. And then you take a look at uh, at higher ed. Higher education in Pennsylvania is incredibly expensive. Yep. So we're spending a lot of money. I'm not sure that we're getting what we're spending for. It's kind of like that same thing you know, what we talked about with the golf course, a million dollars to get four. Yep. You know, we're spending $82 million to get basically three out of five kids to be proficient. That's not good enough. Well, that means we need to spend 120 to get us up to 100. <laughs> that's what that means. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's not going to be me. <laughs> okay, so... Tech, great job. Well, thank you. Great Jerry, job I, laying that all I, out. I, I really appreciate uh, the the stuff on the on the township because you know what, this is just this big question, and and I think it's you know I'm glad that we're talking about it. I hope everybody else who wants to weigh in wants to talk about it. Yeah, yeah, agreed. And uh, with that said, good segue, Ted. Um, we're going to go to our call-in segment. If okay. anybody wants to call and and discuss this or uh, the color of the sky, number to call is 484-668-1663. Again, 484-668-1663. Debate us. Yeah. Tell us where we're wrong. And and with uh, with with that introduced the 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 entire thing 
that, that's going on around the, the township building now with, uh, we, we don't have, with the, the, we don't have a, a manager. Promenade. No, yeah, no, we don't have a manager. Right. And as far as I know, and, and I've been watching, they've not done anything to get a manager yet. We've been a week and a half without a township manager. This is time they could have been working well, on. Well, and, and here's a big question. You know, they were supposed to be working on an RFP for the golf course. Where, well, where, perhaps they're still doing that. Well, but, you know, you don't have a township manager, and he was the one who was directed to do it. So are they working on an RFP yeah, for the golf good course? Good question. I'd, I'd love to see it posted, see, you know, see them work towards getting a, a you know a, a quality full-time manager if that's what they want if they want to you know if they want to you know kind of uh make it a you know it doesn't have to be a salaried position you know if they want to just you know bring somebody in on a consulting basis i, I mean i i don't know i don't know what the the legal requirements are for a t- you know second class township with a you know do we have to have a manager i think so I think it's a legal requirement that there be a manager. But anything else, you can subcontract out. Right. You don't need, you, you don't need a finance director. You can hire an accounting firm. Right. Do that crap. Just outsource it. Right. You can outsource snow plowing. That's true. You know what I mean? Like, you can outsource anything except for the very legal requirements. Right. Well, so what's that phone number again if somebody does want to call in? 484-668-1663. It doesn't appear that anybody wants to call, though. I think you frightened them off. You think it was me or you? I think it was you. You're the one who swore first. (laughs) They only want to swore, period. (laughs) Okay, so uh, that was a flop, and that's fine. Uh, I don't want to talk to anybody anyway. (laughs) How's that for petulance? Boy, I'll tell you. Okay, so that takes us to... That takes us to uh, towards the end of the show here. And uh, our segment that you came up with called Jerry's Last Word. Well, I, I do have to explain it before you do it. Go ahead. Okay. Because I've, I've, you know, I've enjoyed getting to know Jerry and um, and spending a lot of time talking with him and, and uh, uh, watching him on social media and seeing him in action at, at board meetings. And, and, uh, and what I've noticed is he is incredibly persistent in making sure that he is the one who speaks last. <laughs> he always gets the last word. Now, maybe that's not true at home. I don't know. But it seems to be true, especially on social media. And and that's one of the things I really admire is that you just don't back down. You you have facts and you're sticking to them. And people come in with emotional arguments. And it's like, well, but wait a minute. Here are the facts. And that typically gets you the last word. So what we decided is that because that's true... We're just going to give Jerry the last word. Yeah, there we go. Okay. So so tonight, and we've spent an awful lot of time on this whole thing with uh, the fiasco of the Reading Country Club anyway. But, you know, it came to me in that article that I wrote in the Exeter Examiner that uh, all the golf people showed up and they wanted to say, well, you're you're doing nothing but, you know, complaining and you're you're not offering a, a solution. You're just complaining about what's going on and and everything else. And one guy even wrote and I'm not going to give the guy's name, but one guy even wrote uh, they just love that. I guess I'm a they 
now. Uh, just love kicking a young couple wanting to get married in the face and ruin their lives. Every post is hate. So I guess that's what I am. I am hate. I I have to just say, and I know you're going to get the last word in this, but I have to say, couching this in this emotional argument of, oh, this poor couple, their their special day was ruined. Well, their special day took place at a venue that wasn't open. And they took advantage of the fact that their family member could, you know, finagle a location for their special day. If their special day was really that special, why didn't they go to a real wedding venue? Yeah. And hold their wedding there so they could have their special day. I would not have taken the chance. Yeah. But that's me. So with that thought, I it came to me that that the thing that has to be done is to explain why the Reading Country Club will never make a single dollar. Ever. 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 Okay? So, again, the overriding problem is that there is debt. But that debt is going to be paid off in 2039. So you can say, well, hey, come 2040, we're rolling in cash, baby. Right? Four grand. Yeah. Four grand a year. We're going. So then the next thought from, from people is, well, it's because only half the business is open. The, uh, the, you know, the castle's not open. There's no restaurant. There's no catering. There's no weddings except one. There's, you know, no special events. None of that is going on. Once you get that rolling, boy, we're set. I, I thought we had golf outings going on. And there are and, golf and, outings. And they're being served food. and, and Well, they got to bring in a caterer. Oh, okay. Well. So, but, okay, so... So the reason that it will never make a dollar, okay. For the golf, let, let's say that the the restaurant never gets up and running, okay? It just never gets up and running. For the golf course to make money to pay for itself, okay? Using their numbers, we would have to have 125,000 rounds of golf played. At the current price. At the current, well, no, not at the, cur- at, at the current, at, at the current level of profitability. Okay. Okay. Which they claim that we made 140, that, that it made $143,000 last year. Okay. So we would need 125,000 rounds of golf played. Currently like 25,000 being played. So you'd have to cycle five times as many people through every single day. Right. That's ridiculous. I'm told that there are certain holes that could be removed, that you could make the entire thing go faster. And then maybe you could get five or 10,000 more through there a year. But you're not going to get 100,000. You're not going to get 100,000 through. So in order to make money, you need to open that restaurant. So let's listen to them who say, yeah, we got to open that restaurant. Right. Right. Okay. If the course could churn 35,000 rounds a year, let's get it up to 35. Okay. That would bring in another roughly $128,000 in quote unquote profit. All right. It's still not going to pay for itself. All right. But that will leave us with only $500,000 in losses to be made up in a restaurant using the absolute absolute best case scenario 
of a profit margin for a restaurant in America, which is 5%, right. okay, they would need to have sales of roughly $10 million just to get to zero. So that's what you're saying is to take care of all expenses, including the debt. Yes. So not waiting till 2040, but to be able to pay the, yes. the, the debt every year, we'd have to get, you know, we'd have to have a booming restaurant. $10 million a year. Okay, so now let's look at the average check price in a restaurant of that type, a sit-down type of place in America is $67. Okay. So that means that the restaurant needs to put out 152,000 tables, has to fill tables 152,000 times to make up that money at the 5% number. Mm Mm-hmm. Based on that restaurant being open six days a week, they need to put out roughly $32,700 in sales every day that they are open. If we can double the profit, that would still be like $16,000 in sales every day. So uh, the the numbers I'm giving you are clear hyperbole, Right. right? I mean, there's no way you can meet this. Weddings and other parties would bring in more money, right? But then they take away from the the restaurant as a venue, right? Because you, you've got to use part of the restaurant mm-hmm. in order to host the wedding. You've got to use part of your staff. Yep. you got to use your bar yep. to host the wedding. So, or incur more costs. Right. So it's, it's never going to happen, basically. But the point really is that $10 million in sales cannot happen in that building. And you can't put... 125, you can't get 30,000 or 35,000 rounds of golf. The prices need to be jacked way up. And then when they jack those prices up, the number will go down. down. Right. Exactly. So this thing will never make a single penny ever. The move is to write it off as a lost cause and do something else. But other than that, I don't really have a thought about it. <laughs> that is the last word. I mean, you know what? You know, when you are putting their own numbers at them, and uh, you know, it, and and again, this is what what people who want to defend the course will always say: you can't include the debt. You have to include the debt. I, I made this comment today. That would be like buying a house mm-hmm. and then completely disregarding your mortgage payment. The only yes. the only budget that you have is for like your utilities and your food and everything else. Wow, I'm 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 you know making fifty thousand dollars a year and and my <laughs> expenses are only you know thousand bucks a month. Well, yeah. that's because you're not thinking about your mortgage, right? That's exactly what the golfers are trying to do, and yes. we know why they're trying to do it. They want to protect their hobby. They like the golf course being there. What was it? One former supervisor used to say he liked being able to walk out his back door and drop a ball on the golf course and start, yes. and, you know, tee off. Yes. Yeah. So that's it. It's really, it's really just a, a, it's never going to make money and, and they have to stop trying. That's, that's, but it's just my opinion. You know, I'm going to be, I, 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 I could be wrong. I don't see how, but I could be wrong. <laughs> Well, the only way to, for you to be proven wrong would be for somebody else to go through the numbers 
And show, show me where. And show how, you know, we're going to be able to turn a profit enough so that we can pay off the debt. Or or they're just going to have to admit, look, I'm 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 letting the debt service millage pay off the debt. Yep. Because there's already a millage in place to pay off the debt by 2040. So I don't think I should have to be worried about the debt. So I'm not going to. So I'm just going to show you with my numbers how the golf course will make money every year, a couple thousand dollars. And if we put in a restaurant there, well, you got to spend 200000 Yeah, but once we spend the 200000 I'm not going to even think about that. I'm just going to look at the revenue and expenses month to month. I'm not going to bother thinking about the fact that it cost me $200,000 just to get the place ready to go. That's the type of thinking that not including the debt encourages. And you've just laid out that, you know, look, just just regular numbers, folks. It's not going to be done. And with a landlocked golf course that doesn't have premier signage on the number one thoroughfare through Exeter, yep, you're not going to get people there. No. No, it's just not going to happen. So with that, that wraps up the Exeter Underground. Well, that's good because we kept it, you know, right around an hour tonight, which is. Good. Did you put a timer on? Well, no, I just, you know, we started at 645 at 742. That's you know, perfect. Pretty close to an hour. Perfect. And if we ever get to the point where people want to call in and engage with us, which we'd love to. Um, but what I do want to ask you about is, so what do you think our schedule is going to be like next week? Because we have a couple of meetings. Are we going to broadcast on meeting nights or are we going to stick with Thursday and do the review? I would like to try one of the meetings to try to do this this idea of listen and start and stop. Okay. Just to see how it goes. I think that uh, we're probably more likely to have a better result from the township supervisors. I agree with you because I think that's going to be it's going to be shorter and more focused. Right. Um, so I think that so so you're saying we do a Monday show. Let's do a Monday show. Okay. Okay, and maybe reserve the judgment of doing a Thursday. Right. The, that, like, not cover the school board directly. Just come back and do a quick show about it. Do you want to do that? I, I think we should, you know, look, we've got to, we've got to keep the attention on. If yeah. we stop doing a piece on the school board because we do the board of supervisors, yeah. there's going to be nine people who are going to be very happy. Yeah. yeah. So I think... At the very least, we do a Monday show on Board of Supervisors. We give a, we give this new format a try of stopping and starting with a meeting. And then we do a shorter version on Thursday that's just focused on what happened at the school board meeting. Works for me. All right. That works for me. I'm so good with you it. heard it, folks. We're going to be with you on Monday covering the Board of Supervisors meeting. You're not going to Chicago, are you? No. Not, no. Not this coming week. You're good? Yeah. I'm All right. Sure. pretty sure I don't have any... Any uh, crazy trips that got thrown at me. So, um, so yeah, we, we can do uh, Monday and then Thursday. Um, and then right. ho- hopefully uh, that gives, like, I, I like that because it gives me the opportunity to attend the Tuesday school board meeting. There you go. And maybe, you know, make some public comments on there some you issues. Like, I know you and I have talked about this. Uh, you know, I'd like to know who's on the negotiations committee. Well, I've sent... Uh it is now, the number is now six emails to board president, Dr. Ann Hearing, and just asked who, who's on the negotiating committee, right. and she hasn't answered me. Well, maybe that's a point I can make on Tuesday. Maybe. <laughs> this I, jackass said he sent you a bunch of emails. <laughs> what the hell? He sent them to me, and I, they went right where they normally go when I get an email from Jerry Gellif. 
They go into the underground. Yes, the underground. So with that, that's the end of the show. We thank you for uh, joining us, and we thank you for all the downloads in the last week. The the numbers were really just startling to me. Uh, I really expected 30, and we had hundreds. That's awesome. Yeah, it is awesome. So uh, I wonder what the equivalent of... You know, a, a dartboard out of our pictures is uh, in terms of audio. Like, do they just listen to the download and swear at us? Is that I would love what it, it. Is that what it is? Because you know they can't. There's no pictures for them to throw stuff at. So, you know, do they just shake their fists and rail against us while we're not there? Maybe it could be. Maybe I see. That's the beauty of the de- of the podcast. The download, right? They can do that. So we encourage you all to download episode two and then listen to it either in your car or, well, no, maybe not in your car because you get so angry that you might have an accident. So just listen to it at home, um, have a nice adult beverage, and swear at Jerry and me. (laughs) That would be a first. People swearing at me. That would be completely new for me. Really? It's never happened don't. I don't believe you one instant. Folks, thanks so much for listening. We'll see you Monday night at 6.45 because the meeting is at 7. 7 o'clock, right. So, so we'll do a quick little 15 minutes and uh, into the meeting. We'll see what happens. Work? Work. Right. Good night, folks. Thank you for joining us for the Exeter Underground. Join us again next week for more news and analysis of all that is happening in Exeter. This has been a production of Jerry Gelliff Media. Uh